We are going to be looking at this word called discipleship, which uh, is our call to discipleship. And I've been using these three kind of sentences from the, from the Bible, Matthew eleven twenty eight and Luke 9, 23, and Mark 13. And we'll get to those in a moment. But I don't know whether you've ever used this phrase in your life. They just don't get it. Have you ever said that about some people or something at all? Where, you know, you just say, man, they just don't get it. Have you ever said it about yourself? You see, I think there are some things that I could get if I just gave more time to it or more focus. You know, I think I, think I could be quite a good cook if I, if I focused on it. Kathy, why are you laughing? You know... You know, Kathy always says, Mark, you could be a much better cook if you'd stop walking away from the uh, cooker and, and uh, got distracted with, with something else or something, you know. You know, I think I could, I could focus on some things and, and I could get it if I could, you know, if I could just give the time to it. Are you like that? You know, you, you don't get it now, but if you gave time to it, you could. Do you ever say that about people? You just don't get it. People are popping into your mind right now, aren't they? Saying they just don't get that. They just don't get me. They're just like that, you know. And you know one thing I don't get? The registration of cars these days. I don't get it. I just don't get it. What? I, you know, Kathy's explained it to me a hundred times. I just don't get it. What a 61 plate is and a... Is there a 62? I don't get it. I don't get how you can tell the age of a car. I just don't get it. When I was training um, uh, to be a school teacher, I trained up to year seven. So I could, I could train, you know, and teach mathematics up to about year, year seven. So, you know, about 12, 13, 12 year olds, 11 year olds. And, uh, you know, logic problems. If, if three men are in a, uh, are in separate cars and one drives at 5% more, uh, speed than the other man. Uh, what time will he arrive before the other people? I, I could work all that out and do logic problems. Of course, uh, I would just simply say, Birmingham traffic, who knows when you're going to arrive? Never mind the logic of that. But then, after about, you know, year seven or, or getting up to, you know, about, you know, uh, higher maths where they start doing, uh, you know, trigonometry and algebra, it's not that I have not got the physical ability. I just don't get it. I don't even know what we're trying to find. When we're trying to find X, I have no clue where X is. I don't know whether I even care where X is. I don't want to... I don't know what a tan or a cosine is or, a, or an acute this or that. In fact, no, no, I don't care whether I get it. I just don't get it. For some of you, somebody's told you you're never going to get this stuff. You're never fully going to be the right disciple. You're never fully going to be the right Christian. But there's a part of you that perhaps... You shouldn't really even try. 
And you've been told that you just won't get it. You see, you can't judge exactly how things are going to turn out. Because God has got some promises for you whereby he's going to help you to get it. Now, let me make something clear. Your relationship uh, or, or your discipleship, first of all, in Matthew eleven eighteen, it says, come to me, take my yoke upon you. So the first part of our discipleship relationship is simply that we have, that Jesus calls us to be close to him. That's all he's asking. He's asking you to say, come and be close to me. The second part of the relationship is in Luke 9, uh, 23, where he says, take up your cross daily. And when he says that, he's saying, let me shape you on the inside. I call you to be close to me in relationship, but I also call you to some shaping and some boundaries so that you can become a different person. You know that God says, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Now, he's not going to make you into some cookie-cutter person, uh, you know, whereby, uh, you know, we all become the same. You're going to keep your individuality, but he is going to shape you to be the best person that you could be, how he designed you to be. And then Jesus calls us to be uh, an impact and an outreach for him. In Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, it says this. Mark was a, a, a student of an apostle called Peter, and he wrote down lots of Peter's sermons. And he wrote this. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to those who wanted him, and, and they came to him. See, the first call about being a disciple or being a Christian is to come to Jesus. And he said, and he appointed the twelve that they might be with him. See that again? All that God wants you to do is, is come and be with him. And he says, that, they might, that he might send them out to preach. So this is your discipleship uh, call, if you like. Come and be in relationship. Come and, come and change into all that what God has for you. And then... Come and make an impact into the world. See, he calls you into relationship. He calls you into shaping and growing. And he calls you into outreach and influence. But, but what some of us have, have heard in our minds is, oh, I can never be a decent Christian. I can never be a, a great disciple. I, I just don't get those Christians. But I want to give you a promise today that, that shows you that God actually says, hey, I can take all that burden off you, and what I can do is I can, I can press some things, I can breathe some things, I can put some things into your life. But you see, if you're going to achieve a call like this, you're going to have to catch some things, and you're going to have to be prepared to learn some things and teach some things. And, and it is a little bit of catching, but you know, sometimes... Rather than just wrestling and negotiating with God all the time, there, are, there need to be from us a kind of openness that says, you know, if it's there, if I could really be a real great Christian, I want to. Instead of all the time us saying, you know what, I'm not sure about this, 
I, I, I kind of go to church or I have accepted Jesus, but I'm not sure how far I want to go. If you'll drop all that and you'll begin to relax and say, hey, God, I think you love me. And so I'm going to be open to you. You will catch something. Now, let me prove to you that you can catch something. You know, in the New Testament, New Testament, the word testament means agreement. The whole half of that Bible says, I am making a new agreement with you. Now, the Old Testament means an old agreement. The word covenant means agreement. It's like the New Deal. And the New Deal in the New Testament is found in Hebrews chapter 8. In fact, this is what God says. This is the new agreement that I will establish with my people. After that time, declares the Lord, I'm going to put my laws into their minds and I'm going to write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, know the Lord, because... Then the least to the greatest, they will know me. You see, some of us think, I just can't get this. But actually, what God promises is, it doesn't matter who you are today. Everybody in this room, you can catch it. You can get it. In fact, the last sentence in that uh, part of Scripture says, Because I will forgive all your wickedness. And take away all of your sin. If you come to Jesus and you allow him to wash you on the inside, you can get it. Now I know that the Bible says we shouldn't turn to our neighbor and say, know the Lord, know the Lord. But I wonder if you could turn to your neighbor and say, you can get it. Why don't you just do that? You can get it. There is nothing, you don't have to say this bit, there is nothing in you that can stop you getting it if you simply say, Jesus, come and help me. Jesus, come and enable me. There's another part of the Bible, there's an old prophet named Ezekiel and he said this, this is what God promises. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and follow my laws. You can get it today. So when we're talking about being a disciple, please be encouraged that the, that the Holy Spirit and God himself is saying, I, I can be in you, I can be with you, I can breathe this into your life. It's not that you won't ever have to make any effort. It means that you're going to have to partner with you, but it's not all down to you. You see, don't you sometimes look at Christians or look at you know, other Christians and think, man, they are so holy, I can never be like them. But you know what this Bible tells us is, you can get it. He can breathe his laws into your heart. In fact, in the new agreement, this is what it says. And, I, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he's given us. You can catch it if you accept Jesus and let him in. It doesn't have to be a mystery to you. Now, over the last three weeks, I've been speaking about the concept Of being a disciple. Uh, The word disciple means somebody who learns. But the key to these messages is simply this. 
And I guess I'm talking to the BCC normal crowd, although are we normal BCC? You know, uh, I guess I'm talking to our normal folks here or regular folks. Is you have to come to a place where Jesus isn't just one of the things that you do. That actually he becomes the defining relationship of your life. The first love of your life. You see, that's really what a disciple is. That Jesus becomes the defining person who defines you. Now we're all defined by something. That where you say... God, I'm placing you at the center. You're my first love. And you see, rather than just Jesus being one of the things we do, really a disciple person, or a person who is a disciple, is that person who said, you define me. Now, you could say to yourself, wow, I don't need anybody to define me. I I define myself. But how true is that really for any of us? How true is it that we're totally, completely on our own to define ourselves? I'm not sure that that's true for anybody. I mean, look at me. I'm like dressed by Marks and Spencer. Okay, that didn't go down that well. Every one of us has things that speak into our lives. A real disciple says, that's the pure love source. That's the pure, safe person. I'm going to let him breathe into me. And when you do that, you'll get it. Now, because the relationship with Jesus is a little bit multifaceted, there are some things that we kind of need to just catch. And, and when I say that, I say it on the basis of saying, look, I've already taught you today that God says, I'll put some things in your heart. You're not doing this on your own. And I'm not being unfair. There are some things that if you want to progress as a Christian, that you're just going to have to catch some things. And the first thing to catch is that you're going to have to catch that as a disciple, you're going to need faith and reliance on God. There was one time when Jesus was dealing with a very difficult healing, and he was able to bring that out. And and the little boy was healed and set free. And the disciples said, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said to them, because you don't have the faith. You've got to begin to say to yourself, unless I have some faith, I'm not really going to progress In fact, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move this mountain, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, for those of you who are disciples already, let me tell you that faith is a muscle. It it only gets stronger as you use it. If you're one of those people that that are always afraid to exercise faith, your faith will always stay weak. You see, faith is also strengthened by the right environment. If you're always filling your mind with negativity, with ungodliness, with with things where 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 you fill your heart full of 
uh, things that are just pulling you away from your faith. Your faith will always fight that. You've got to put yourself in the right environment. You know, I was so pleased that as a young Christian, uh, I, I was just put in, a, in just a lovely, loving church. It was just the right environment for me. You see, when I first walked into church, you, you wouldn't know this about me. That I, I had, at those times, uh, can I just say that I apologize for the fashion of the 1970s. Um, you know, I walked into church, and it was a time when there was a group called the Bay City Rollers, were like, were really popular. And they used to sing deep lyrics, see Debbie, you already know what I'm going to, they used to sing deep lyrics such as Shangalang. Shangalang. That was one of their top hits. I don't even know what it means. But, you know, I walked into church like a Bay City roller. And has anybody heard of a person called David Bowie? Bowie. I don't even know how to say his name. I, okay, correct me if you will. I'm saying Bowie, okay? You can say Bowie. Oh, you're agreeing. Okay. Anyway, I walked into church for the first time. I had my hair down here, really white blonde hair, you know, nothing wrong with that, a green dot on my forehead, okay, I had tartan jeans and patches on, but the the tricky thing was, I had platform shoes on. Now, if you don't know what platform shoes are, I, I was 14, and I'd grown from 5 foot 2 to 6 feet in 3 months. And I was still getting used to how my body worked. In fact, I had something called dyspraxia, which meant that I could knock anything over. I still, some of the teams still think I've got it. But I had platform soles on. It made me 6 foot 5 because my shoes were so tall. And my shoes were multicolored. Now, you may look at me today and think, oh, he's pretty reasonable. Would you have accepted me if I'd have walked in like that today? Who said no? (laughs) Well, not as the pastor, maybe. Although, it'd be pretty cool to have a multicolored pastor, don't you think? I think it'd be cool. What I'm trying to say to you is this. I'm trying to say to you that you've got to believe that wherever you come from, God has got a plan for you. God can do things with you. And that, you know, we're not just talking about outward appearance, but actually that God can move your heart and change things. You see, faith is strengthened through the right input. Faith is strengthened through God's word. But for those of you who don't believe that you could ever change, begin to believe. Just start with small steps. Because God wants you to believe. Unless, as a disciple, you exercise faith, you're going to have a hard time. So why don't you begin to say to yourself, Even in some little areas, God, I'm going to believe you. 
A second area that you need to catch, and you'll always need to catch it, is that for us as disciples, we are always going to have to take the posture of a servant. The disciples were arguing one day, and Jesus took them aside and said, look, it's not going to be like this with you. Some of the Gentiles and some of the people who lord it over people, actually, the one who's going to be greatest in uh, God's kingdom is always going to be the one who takes the posture of a servant. You see, even when you get a promotion at work, even when God elevates you, you should be asking, how can I serve somebody through this? I want you to know something today. That if you'll decide to serve... God will raise you, not just up for promotion, but he'll raise you to the right place. Can I tell you something? Next week, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray because I'm going to Ireland, and I'm speaking at one of the largest churches on the whole of the, the, the island of Ireland. And, and, but I want you to know how that came about. Jesus said, always take the lowest place. And if God wants to raise you up, he'll raise you up. Uh, last year, I accepted a speaking appointment from a very small church that is struggling. And now and again, when my schedule allows, I like to go not to large churches like ours, but to small churches and just encourage them and help them. Or well, somebody was listening to me there from this really large church, and they have invited me now to go and speak to them. You see, what you've got to do is choose the lowest place, and God will raise you up at the right time. Some of you are struggling at work. You're thinking, that promotion isn't coming. The, the, everything that you, you need for your life is, isn't coming. But you know what? If you'll say to yourself, God, I take the posture of a servant. I'm not a doormat. I'm not going to tattoo welcome across my chest. I'm not going to uh, let people walk all over me inappropriately. But where I can, I'm going to serve the best interests of everybody around me God will raise you up at the proper time. Amen? You see, you've got to trust Him. You've got to catch servanthood. You see, another thing about being a disciple is that if you're going to catch something, you need to catch that you're going to have to have courage. And, and in a sense, we can teach into lots of things. We can teach into faith and, and help you believe a little bit more. But you have to catch faith. We can teach into servanthood, but you have to posture your heart. At the end of the day, you have to say, you know why I don't mind serving. And we can teach into courage. You know, Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. What a great way to commission people, you know. But he was saying, look, you're going to have to have some courage. In fact, lots of times when Jesus was walking towards the end of his life, he used to take his disciples aside and said, now listen, let me tell you what's going to happen. This isn't going to go the way that you think it's going to go. They're going to kill me. I will rise on the next day, but I know you're afraid. Come and have some courage. You see, being a Christian is a courageous thing. Don't you agree? Like being a Christian at work, being a Christian in your family, it's, it's not the easiest thing, but if you want it to be uh, completely that you're, you're going to be the most popular person, the only popular person on a street is the ice cream salesman. So go and be that if you want to be popular all the time. But if you want to live the discipleship life, you've got to say, God, I want some courage. Now, courage comes from valuing 
what you're doing more than the opposition to what you're doing. Now, that's not to say that courage never takes advice or that courage just ignores every risk. No. Wisdom in counsel and and good people speaking into your life, that's fine. But courage continues and its course is set by the right values and the right beliefs by the Bible and the Spirit, good counsel together. But at the end of the day, you saying, no, this is the right thing for my life. I'm holding out to be courageous and I'm going to follow you, Lord, no matter what. Courage. You've got to catch that. It isn't always going to be easy for you. Courage, at the end of the day, says this. I believe that somebody bigger and stronger... And sovereign, the ruler of all the universe, he's got my life. In the Old Testament, there was uh, three people who we know their names. We don't know their real names. Or we can't remember their real names. And there was a king who was going to throw them into a furnace. And this is what they said to him. Well, if we're thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, your majesty, we will not bow down and serve your gods. And we will not bow down to the golden image that you have set up. Courage. That God, we know that you have got our life. And no matter what, we are going to serve you. We're not going to serve you in a bombastic way. We're not going to serve you in in an aggressive, fundamentalist way that puts people off. We're going to serve you in a loving way. We're going to serve you in a strong way, but we are going to serve you no matter who says, don't serve him. We're going to serve the Lord. Amen? Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise because we're going to serve him. We're going to serve him. So today, as a Christian, Would you catch some faith? Would you say, you know what, Lord, I I need to believe you in this area of my life. We've all got areas that are a little bit dry. You need to pour some faith on that area. As a Christian today, could you catch some serving? Could you catch the fact that the best way that you're going to be shaped is if you begin to serve God and serve others. But could you also catch some courage? Could you, could you begin to say, you know what, I, I'm going to stand a bit stronger for God. If you can catch that. And you have to catch that by opening your heart. Opening your mind a bit. Opening your posture. In fact, some of you are already sitting with your arms folded. Please, don't worry about that. I'm not picking out. But maybe you could just open your heart. You know, there's some things that are not just caught... There are some things that are taught. You know, what I've noticed is that the disciples looked over at Jesus' life and it almost became frustrating for them. It almost became like, wow, how does he do that? How does it? And one of the areas was they looked over at his life and saw how he prayed. Until one day, you can read it in Luke chapter 11, and the disciples looked over at Jesus and it's almost in an exasperation. They said they saw him praying and when he'd finished praying, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now in this room, there'll be some people who think, I am brilliant at praying. And there'll be some people who say, you know what, 
Well, I can pray for two minutes and then I'm out. Prayer is something that you learn. It's a taught thing. Prayer is an exercise that is taught. It's learned more than it's caught. All of us struggle with it. But the more you do it, the more you learn how to do it, the more you will get the benefit from it. So what I want to say to you is, learn, be taught how to pray. Jesus said it this way, Father, hallowed be your name. In other words, start with worship, start with intimacy, start with just talking to God as your Father. Don't start with your request. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Ask for God's will and God's presence in your day. Ask him to say, hey, whatever you want to happen, let it happen today. And then Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. So then ask for your needs. Start with worship and intimacy. Then ask for God to bring his will. Then ask for your needs. He wants to supply your needs. What's your need today? God is saying, give us today our daily bread. Whatever your need is, he's okay supplying your need. And then he says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sinned against us. Pray into your relationships. Keep your accounts short. Pray about the people who you're struggling with or people around you. Pray for blessing upon them. And then he finishes by saying, and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Pray protection over your life. Could you pray through the Lord's Prayer? And before you know it, if you prayed through the Lord's Prayer, you'll be praying for an hour before you know it. You'd be late for work. Oh, that's why you're late for church. You've been praying the Lord's Prayer this morning, haven't you? You know, I need to say to you guys, if you get on time for worship, God will lift you up. He really will. Now, I know that some of you are struggling, that you've got 15 kids to get ready and a mother-in-law and a grandma and, you know, and all of those, and you've got lots of people to get ready. But you know what? If you will prioritize corporate worship, God will lift you up right from the start. You can learn prayer. Another thing that you have to learn is that you're going to have to learn that suffering will come. Now, I don't want us to have a downer Sunday in any way, but often what I notice is that Jesus puts his arm around his disciples as they're walking, and he says, now look, there is going to be a moment when I get taken away from you and that the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected. In Romans chapter 8, it says, we consider our present sufferings not worth comparing with our future, uh, future glory that will be revealed in us. Now, your hard time and suffering is never fully understandable. But you can learn to get through it if you make the right declarations and teach yourself the right attitudes in it. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I said, how many of you are going through a hard time or have a struggle in your life right now? I think several hands would go up, wouldn't they? Hey, should we do that? Should we have just a vulnerable time? Are you going through a hard time? Just raise your hand right now. If, If there's a difficulty in your life, if there's something that you wish wasn't there, one or two, or is there many of us? Come on, just raise your hand. We're all friends here together.
Wow. Well, here's some declarations for all of us. Did you notice I raised my hand too? First of all, you can teach yourself this. That no matter what suffering you're going through, I still have purpose in Christ. That even though you're having a hard time, God's purpose for you has not been spoiled or thwarted. That God still has something that he has for you to do. You see, the Bible says we're called according to his purpose. And so you've still got a purpose. So number one, can you just say this under your breath? I still have purpose in Christ. Just say that to yourself right now. Number two, in Christ, uh, when you're going through a hard time, I am still loved by God. It's a little bit like when the clouds go over the sky, the sun's still there. You can still see the light and the heat from it. You may not be able to see the sun. You are still loved by God. You know Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I remember a real precious moment. My younger daughter, she's now a pastor in Nottingham. She came downstairs one day and she said to us, uh, I sounded really from Stoke there, didn't I? She came downstairs. She came down the stairs one day and she said to us, God says to me, nothing. I went, that's a bit weird. And she said, no, I just heard God say, nothing. And then she said, He said, there's nothing that can separate me and you. And she was only about seven or eight at that moment. And I don't think she even knew the scripture, but in Romans 8 it says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. So if you're going through a difficult time right now, I want you to know that the love of God is still there for you. It may be clouded over, It may be that you can't see everything what God is doing, but nothing can separate you from God's love. And so when you're going through a difficult time, can you remind yourself of that? In fact, why don't you say that just under your breath right now? I am still loved by God. You see, you can teach yourself to get through suffering. The third thing is this. When you're going through a hard time, You should always ask yourself, what am I hearing in the Spirit? What's God saying to you in this time? Now you might say, I don't hear anything, Pastor Mark. But maybe in the Scriptures, maybe in a time of prayer, perhaps in a message, God will just highlight one thing that you need to hold on to. Because God is a communicating God. He always wants to speak to you. See, We can learn some things. As well as catching faith and courage and servanthood, we can learn prayer and we can learn to go through suffering, but also we can learn to serve in a stretch. You know, there are some things that no matter how many pastors ask you to do it, it's always going to be difficult. I've got some fears in my life of you. I've got some things that I just don't like. Now, you see... I like bacon. I like chicken. I like warm bacon. I like warm chicken. I don't mind if a warm piece of chicken is on my plate and a warm piece of bacon is wrapped around it. I can deal with that. Are you with me so far? But if you put cold bacon and cold chicken on a sandwich... There's something that happens to me where I'm afraid of it. 
I don't want to look inside. I like go, ugh, it's horrible. I, I don't know. See, some of you are looking at me and saying, Pastor Mark, you're weird. And I'm looking back at you and saying, you've got your weirdness. You've got your weirdness. Like, I know some of you are afraid of worms. What's to be afraid of a worm? It's just a little slithery thing. It can't eat you. It can't swallow you. It can't wrap you up like a python snake. By the way, I'm afraid of snakes, and I don't want you to talk me out of it. Okay, I think that's, that fear is keeping me safe. And for those of you who are really religious, saying, oh, you shouldn't have any fear, that's a fear I'm comfortable with, okay? <laughs> Some of you are afraid of weird things. Most Christians, when we pastors say, hey, why don't you share your faith? We're a little bit afraid. But you know what? Why don't you start by just inviting somebody to church? And take the first step. Some, some people are, no matter how many pastors say, read your Bible. Some of you, you kind of struggle with that. And, and you know, we can help you doing it more consistently. But why don't you just join a group? where everybody else reads and you can read with somebody together. Some of us want to make a real difference in this world and we don't know how to do it. Why don't you join something like City Pastors or Food Bank and make a start? Here's the bottom line. We all need to learn to serve in those stretching things, those, those things that we're a little bit afraid of, And if it's a stretch for us, here's the bottom line. Don't do it alone. Don't do it by yourself. Well, hey, I think I've spoken to you long enough, but I just want to close by making some strong statements. Please, would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the worship team just to come back. But just for a moment, I want you to hear this. Because what I've been sharing over the last three weeks... And if, and if you, you know, is to basically sketch out what is it that means to be a disciple. And rather than just having us where we say, hey, I'm a Christian and what have you, there are some things that we really need to commit to. You see, I haven't really been preaching the last few weeks to grow our church. I've actually been preaching to deepen our church. If you're here today and you think, I don't really get the Jesus stuff, the thing I'd say to you is this, is that He loves you, He really cares about you, and He wants to speak into your life the change that needs to happen so that you can become everything that you were designed to become. And that will mean that you'll have to get rid of some junk, some sin, some, some attitudes that don't please you or him, things that spoil you, things that spoil things around you. You're going to have to give them away. You're going to have to say, I'm going to change my mind about that. But don't not come to Jesus because you think, well, it's going to make me like everybody else. It's not. It's going to make you who you're supposed to be. But here's what I'm going to say to you as, as kind of BCCites. 
You can play, that's fine. Fans cheer Jesus. Fans go, yeah, Jesus, you're great. (coughs) Fans go, this is brilliant. Uh, This is wonderful. Yay, Jesus. Disciples obey him. Then when all the cheering stops and Jesus says, hey, I'm really glad you think I'm great, but will you now do this? Disciples say, of course, Lord. Fans go, yay! Oh, I'm not sure, Lord. Disciples say, yeah, I'll follow you, Lord. Fans buy the brand. Fans buy the t-shirt that says John 3.16. Please, if you've got a John 3.16 t-shirt, great. Fans buy little wristbands that say, Jesus loves me, or what would Jesus do? Fans buy Christian memorabilia or merchandise that say Jesus forever or they buy little fish. Have you seen Christians driving down the road and they've all got fishies in their car? When Before I was a Christian, I'd see those fish and say, do religious people have to become fishmongers or something? Or what is that? You know, fans buy bumper stickers and they, they buy stuff. And you know what? All that's appropriate. I've got a t-shirt that says, I'm a pastor in it for the outcome, not the income. You know, I've got some of that stuff. Fans buy the brand. Disciples fashion their identity around Jesus. That when all the t-shirts are not there, they want to become like Jesus. You see, fans, and if you've got this, then I'm not saying this is you. Fans wear a cross. Disciples carry a cross. A fan follows when the crowd's following. A fan says, hey, let's go see Sinak in concert together. Woo! We're all together. Let's go do it. A fan says, hey, let's all do it when when the crowd's there at BCC. There's nothing wrong with going to see Sinak in concert. In fact... If some of you have got a spare ticket, can I have one, please? Or whichever your favorite Christian band is. When I was growing up, it used to be Striper. Do you remember that? Oh, man, spandex and, you know, heavy metal. Mm, Jesus loves you. Amazing grace. We're off our face. All of that stuff. It was great. Fans do all that stuff. A disciple follows even when the crowd doesn't. A disciple says, well, everybody's not going, but I am. Nobody feels like being at church today, but I'm going anyway. 
All my kids are saying, Dad, why should we go to church? I just bored in church. Although they won't be in our children's work. You know, I hate that. I hate this. I hate that. And Dad say, you know what, guys? You can say all that you like. We are going to church. Can you hear amen, Dads? You see, a fan says, when the crowd's into it, I'm into it. A disciple says, I'm doing it where nobody's doing it. So what do you want to be? Do you want to be a Jesus fan? And you know, some of the things I mentioned, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I'm going to come in my Christian t-shirt next week just to show you. Oh, I'm not here next week. But it can't just be that. So this week, I wonder if you've got a fear that you just need to give him. I wonder if there's something in your life that you just need to say, you know, this is a dry area for me. I've struggled with this and I want to give that to you, God. I wonder if this week you need to jump into a group. I wonder if this week there's something that you need to catch. In fact, we're going to sing a song right now. And if you need to catch something, you know, you just think, well, you know, I'm going to be open. In fact, right now, in your mind, in your posture, in, in in your headspace, would you just open up right now? And begin to say, if you've got anything for me today, God, I want it. I'm going to ask you to make a faith walk to the front and we will just want to pray with you. If you're sick in your body, if there's something that isn't right in your life, we want to pray for you. But we're going to sing a song and then I'm going to come. I'm going to invite you just to come and say, yeah, I want to catch something from you, God. And this might be courage for you. You might be one of those people that say to yourself, I never go to the front. Well, that's not a proud boast, let me tell you. Maybe this is your moment to say, you know what, God, I'm going to catch something today. Oh, I love you. Are you sure we can't take everybody home with us for lunch, Daddy? Are you sure about that? We just care about you so much. I'm not being fake. We really care about you, God. Come on, let's sing together.